Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Good evening and welcome to the Tony Kinnett cast here on 93 WIBC. I'm Tony Kinnett and boy, has a lot of stuff been going on, so let's get right to the quick news. First of all, Israel and Hamas are still considering the details of a possible ceasefire to exchange hostages. Now, it should be noted that these hostages, as you heard uh, Sasha Nixon describing before, include uh, 30 kids, 8 moms, and 12 additional women. Uh, Some of these numbers fluctuate because Hamas has not allowed many of these uh, hostages to stay alive um, due to some surveillance footage that we've been able to see kind of in the background uh, when hostages were dragged in and out of Al Jazeera Hospital um, that uh, was supposedly supposed to be clean and just a regular hospital. Um, Fun fact, you don't usually uh, bring hostages in and out of a hospital. Um, Just a cool tip in case you're ever running a Middle Eastern hospital. Uh, Israel has some hostages uh, as well, and uh, shocker, they're not pregnant women and children. In fact, they're a group of young dudes in their 20s. Um, So Israel captures soldiers um, and doesn't just execute soldiers on the spot. Meanwhile, Hamas uh, executes uh, men, women, and children for the crime of being Jewish or Christian. Um, And how do we know? Well, because, you know, Hamas posts these videos themselves. Uh, Also today, the Pentagon is asking for $114 million dollars to spend on arms, to spend on training for soldiers, to spend on uh, recruitment, which is at an all-time low. Uh, Perhaps the VA, God knows the VA, could certainly use a little bit of a facelift. No, $114 million for diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility in the next year. So that's right, ladies and gentlemen, we're spending over a tenth of a billion dollars on uh, DEI for our troops. Um so just, you know, excellent stuff there. Always good to know that the money that you're working so hard to give to the government is going to uh, uh, one of the admirals who feels like he should be wearing a skirt these days. Uh, Kathy Hochul, governor of New York, shocked a lot of individuals today. Uh, like Nikki Haley has decided it's been just a little bit too long um, since we had a, a George Orwellian nightmare. And so she got up in front of the state of New York and uh, said something that was a little weird here. Take a listen. Today, I'm directing the director of Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Services to develop media literacy tools for K through 12 in our public schools. This will teach students and even teachers to help understand how to spot conspiracy theories and misinformation, disinformation, and online hate. Start talking about what we're seeing out there. Give the teachers the tools they need to help these conversations in school. And by teaching younger New Yorkers about how to discern between digital fact and digital fiction, we can better inoculate them from hatred and the spread of it and help prepare them for a very fast-moving and often confusing world. So, uh, great. The state of New York is launching a sub-department within its Department of Education to create a Ministry of Truth. Uh, which, given that I run a social media account called Ministry of Truth, which is a parody of George Orwell's 1984 nightmare of an organization that decided what was true and what was not, 
Uh, I will remind you that members of New York's Department of Education were assisting in making sure that their local history and civics classes didn't mention things like the Joe Biden son's laptop story right before the presidential election. Also not mentioning things like the COVID vaccine or the COVID-19 origins in Wuhan or the issues with the COVID-19 vaccine. But I'm sure that governmental organization is totally qualified uh, with all of its you know, graduate degrees in gender studies uh, to tell you what the truth is. Uh, also, in international news, and I would say the reaction is perhaps a little bit more news uh, than perhaps uh, the news itself at this point, uh, Javier Millet um, is a libertarian, I, I say libertarian in quotes because he's very socially conservative, a man who has been elected to attempt to save Argentina from its over 140% inflationary rate. Uh, Argentina has defaulted on its international monetary fund loan 10 times in the country's lifespan, three times in the last 10 years. Argentina is a hyperinflationary disaster area. And uh, this is the man who wants to put Argentina not on the peso, but on the U.S. dollar. And uh, as far as everything else, he's really entertaining. Uh, he's pro-life. And so, of course, to the media, this makes him ultra super far right wing. Like when the Italian prime minister was elected, she was far right you notice you, you never really hear people talking about left-wing presidents or uh, congresswomen that way. You never hear someone say AOC is far left. They say she's Democrat congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who has some left-leaning tendency. You never hear anyone say far left. It's always far right. Oh, so far to the right, believing things like that the government has too many agencies or that the government shouldn't be running money printers around the clock. That's far right. So congratulations to President Malay. Uh, look forward to seeing what's going on because I would very much like to visit the gauchos of Argentina someday because their steak is delicious. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. That's not the only shenanigans that are going on from departments of state relating to other countries. Uh, thank goodness um, our loving Department of State has decided that we need to be spending $50,000 a year annually to the Iraq Space Center for training and capacity development. So if you didn't know that Iraq had a space center, um, now you do. Uh, you know, you think of the, the major countries in the world that have, you know, space programs and initiatives. Uh, I'm sure that Iraq doesn't reach even the top 50 of those, but they have a space center and we're giving them $50,000 again, like to provide safety equipment, uh, maybe to you know show a little bit about advanced physics to some of their young students. Maybe some kind of engineering practices that will help the whole country. No! We need a series of trainings and workshops to reduce gender-based discrimination in Iraq. Because that's, you know, that's what traditional Muslims love being told is, you know, the women that they keep in, in bedsheets uh, with eye holes cut out. Um, yeah, I'm sure there that the, the fifty thousand dollars worth of training from Joe Biden's um, second lesbian in chief. Yeah, that's really going to turn the tide. So uh, fantastic, super duper. And oh, by the way, that that second lesbian in chief that I mentioned, that is a man who identifies as a woman who is a lesbian. So um, if you can figure that one out, if you could just text me how that works later, that would be super duper. Uh, the Biden administration is making some other moves out there in the wide world, which is considering returning the Yemen Houthis. Uh, that would be the terrorist group that launched a huge barrage of missiles into Israel the other day as a terrorist group again. And you say, wow, I mean, saying a terrorist group is a terrorist group sounds like a pretty good thing until you 
notice who took the Houthis off the terrorist list. That was one of the first things that President Biden did in reversal after he took over when Trump left office. So uh, way to go. I, I mean, yeah, I'm glad that you're labeling them terrorists, but it's your fault for taking them off of the list in the first place so that, of course, uh, our foreign aid went to them for quite a bit of time. Lastly, but not leastly, two years ago today, a black supremacist drove his SUV into a large crowd of white, Hispanic, Asian, and Jewish people in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Um, I have been to that specific place in Waukesha, spent some time there while I was in college, and it was a horrible race crime. Um, And it was treated as, you know, oh, he was just slightly inebriated. Sure, he had like a little manifesto and was screaming racial epithets, but I mean, who doesn't when when they get a little drunk? Uh, here's how um, Jen Psaki, uh, Biden's press secretary at the time, uh, responded to that horrible event. Um, as you saw the president convey last week, our hearts go out to this community, to the people in Waukesha, that we've been in touch, obviously, with officials there. And we're all watching as people are recovering. And this is such a difficult time of year for, for this to happen. It's a difficult any time. Uh, obviously, any president going to visit a community requires a lot of assets, requires taking their resources. And uh, it's not something that I have a, a trip previewed at this plan, point in time. There you go. So uh, good old old President Biden. He's he's really quick to visit, you know, someone who is a, a victim of transphobia or a victim of uh, something the White House cares about. Um, but, you know, if it's East Palestine, um, you know, or if it's this case, I mean, hey, I'll, I'll give him this. At least he didn't go there and say that he once lost his his Corvette in a house fire. So, uh, you know, small victories. Up next, we're going to be talking with Stephen Kent on this week's segment of What You Watching. Stick around. This is the Tony Kinnicast on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the Tony Kennett Cast on 93 WIBC. Welcome back to the Tony Kinnett cast on 93 WIBC. I'm Tony Kinnett and joining me is Stephen Kent, the media director of the Consumer Choice Center and editor of GeekyStoics.com. So, Stephen, what you watching? Well, what am I not watching? I'll tell you what I'm not watching anymore is the problem with Jon Stewart on Apple TV. It's been about a month now since that show completely bit the dust on Apple and I got to tell you, Tony, I'm I'm still just a little bit sad. Like, I never agreed with Jon Stewart necessarily sure. on the way that the world works, on politics. But he's sort of, you know, one of the leading comedians of our generation, particularly in the, the Bush years. And this guy comes back out of retirement in 2021, you know, returning somewhat gloriously to Apple TV, sort of as a rival now to his previous Padawan, John Oliver, who is you know, for all intents and purposes, crushing it on HBO. Mm -hmm. uh, And he completely falls flat. He has 180,000 homes watching his debut episode uh, when he first returns compared to John Oliver's 844,000 homes who watch his show. By episode five, there's only 40,000 people watching. Uh, But he was recently canceled and he will no longer have a second season. But it's not because of the ratings, Tony. It's actually much more sinister than that. Oh, okay. You got you to let me in on this one because those are some really rocky ratings. 
yeah, I mean, it, it, this is this is the thing about the cancellation of the problem with John Stewart, which is that certainly there was a ratings problem. People weren't watching him. However, he's also John freaking Stewart. He has a little bit of clout, except for when he wants to do an episode dedicated in his second season of the show to the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, uh, and you know the things that they do to run their country under their communist tyranny. He wanted to do one or two episodes focused on artificial intelligence and China. And Apple, being in business with China very deeply, having a very cozy relationship with China, they did not want him to do it. He wouldn't uh, desist. He wanted to do this episode. And so contract negotiations broke down about a month ago over the issue of covering China fairly and honestly. It's pretty shocking, actually, but it's a good testament to you have to have strong ratings in order to negotiate and do the kind of stuff that you want to do creatively. But it's also a sad state of affairs when Apple is running interference for China. Yeah, it's really interesting because usually you hear about this thing on the other side of the aisle. You know, you hear, you know, like, for example, Tucker and the whole mess with Fox News. But it's really weird to see um, kind of this contract negotiation breakdown situation occurring whenever you have a host or uh, someone say, look, I really want to report on this. I want to talk about this. I think this is what people want to hear. And due to kind of a third party, uh, the organization running, you know, your show cuts it dry. That's that's really weird. And given it's China, it's also got that spooky vibe as well. What else are you watching? Well, so here's the thing. I, I wrote an article in, in USA Today about the fall of Jon Stewart and just asking consumers you know, is this the kind of entertainment ecosystem you want? One where right. China sort of calls balls and strikes, they get to decide what gets made and what doesn't. Uh, and how do consumers actually resist that? Because Chinese money has found its way into so many corners of Hollywood and the entertainment ecosystem. So right. what are you to do if China plays a role in practically every Disney production that gets made? Uh, you got to watch the movies that China cannot stand, that they have banned uh, in their own country and would like to see banned worldwide. And so in this article in USA Today, I lay out three movies that every American needs to seek out and watch right now, starting with Seven Years in Tibet on Netflix. This is a 1996 movie starring Brad Pitt, really in his prime, honestly, uh, playing a real-life uh, man named Heinrich Harrer, who travels out of Europe during the start of World War II and gets to know the Dalai Lama right before the rise of uh, Mao and the Chinese Communist Party. And this movie is a brutal, brutal indictment of uh, the CCP's brutality, um, their evil, uh, and just their hatred of peace and freedom around the world. And it is no surprise that this movie is banned in China, but it is available on Netflix and it is highly worth watching. It's a sobering movie. Uh, but there's other movies that you could be watching too if you really want to stick it to the CCP, uh, as well as Red Corner starring Richard Gere. That's another 1997 movie that is streaming on Amazon where an American businessman is caught up in, a, in a, an affair or dalliance in China and then has to go through the Chinese communist legal system and sees just how crooked it is. Uh, mm. But Tony, I'm curious. There is one more movie that I wrote about here in this USA Today article uh, that is almost impossible to find and stream. And this is no, co no coincidence. Have you ever seen Kundun? 
I don't think I've ever actually seen Kundun, but I'm I'm perplexed. What 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 is this that no one's ever seen? I, that's one of those so, kind of monikers that's often applied but seldom yeah. upheld. Kundun. This is a this is a Martin Scorsese classic, a two a twenty eight million dollar production that Martin Scorsese did with Disney, also in nineteen ninety seven. There's this Man, weird the of the nineties, yeah, yeah. There's this very weird spat of anti China movies in the late nineties, right before uh, the real international rise of the CCP. Uh, but this movie is called Kundun, and it is again a movie focused on Tibet and the Dalai Lama and how the Chinese Communist Party moved to crush uh, the Dalai Lama and the Tibetan people and their culture uh, in the post-World War II era. So we're talking kind of like the 50s and 60s. Um, it's a really, really sad story, uh, and it is the most scathing indictment of the CCP that exists, so much so that China moved to have this movie crushed when it came out in 1997. They got Disney to bury the movie. Disney ended up only releasing this movie in about three or four theaters in the United States. And they did oh, this wow. purely to appease the Chinese Communist Party. And Tony, you can't stream this movie anywhere today. Not on Disney Plus, not on Amazon, not on Netflix. So I'm not encouraging your listeners to go diving into the dark web necessarily. But this movie is out there. And it's a movie that they don't want you to see. You know, if you're someone out there who knows of a, a banned movie that you cannot obtain any other place and you go to a <clears throat> sail the seven seas, as it were, that's certainly your own discretion. If you do choose to sail the seven seas and, you know, are in that kind of a situation, make sure that you're using a VPN. The show is not sponsored by a VPN, but make sure that you're using a VPN. Um, so that said, I, I really want to hit on perhaps the moving forward. You talked about, uh, you know, watching movies that China doesn't want you to see. Um, I think that more so we need to name and identify Chinese influences and Chinese money in the American system. And I, I want to be clear, I don't mean, you know, Chinese American money, because this is usually where that conversation ends up going, oh, you mean people that are descendants from China? No, no. I mean, Chinese national money coming into the United States and in education. We talk about this now in the Confucius Institutes. And, and the ways that they're seeping into the education system. But there are so many facets of the, the tentacles from the Chinese monster in Disney and in Apple. And, and not only because so much of their production occurs there, but there are also so many Chinese funded ventures in media um, from news to entertainment. It's, it's wild. If we don't start isolating these groups, we can't separate ourselves from them because we won't know what they are. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. And, you know, the, the purpose of Chinese propaganda and, you know, putting a bunch of money into our system is I think the communists know something about American capitalists that is almost true in, in a visceral and kind of dark way. I, I believe uh, the old Marxist quote is that uh, the capitalist will sell us the rope that we'll use to hang them. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the general idea is that we just can't help ourselves when we see right. some money making opportunity. And the Chinese market is absolutely one such opportunity that every uh, entertainment and movie studio uh, in the United States has been tempted to try to tap into, but it's come at an incredible cost, so much so that we can't tell the stories about our own history, our own culture, and freedom around the world, unless we get the seal of approval from Xi Jinping in China. And let me tell you, that seal of approval is never going to come. And it also comes on the heels of a kind of duality of, of deciding what kind of culture gets to be talked about and what culture, you know, is not on the screen. 
Uh, and uh, again, to, as things usually do, uh, I go back to, to Star Wars. And in the very last Star Wars movie, The Rise of Skywalker, which I abhor to the, the end of abhorrence, uh, at the very end, there's a, there's a lesbian kiss at the end. Oh, they won, and two old ladies give each other a big <laughs> smooch. And everyone in American theaters was like, why? <laughs> like, why? Okay, mm-hmm. whatever. And then we found out that in, in China, they censored that clip from the movie. And also Finn, the black actor, uh, uh, John Boyega, they censored yeah. from all of the posters for the movies over in China. And it's like, well, you know, in America, you know, Disney is allowed to lecture all of us about our uh, racial and gender-esque presuppositions of which there really aren't as far as did, you know, to lecture us over yet in China, uh, that's totally fine to censor that from the movies. It's, it's very wild. The double standard that's allowed to persist. It's an incredible double standard. And the thing that we have to do is, you know, free consumers and, and lovers of freedom is that we have to figure out how to keep Chinese influence and their culture, right? Their totalitarian communist minded culture uh, mm. from infecting our own. And we don't want to use the tools of the enemy uh, to combat that either. We don't want to engage in censorship to fight censorship. Right. Uh, but it's something that we have to understand is that China wants us to fold in on ourselves by losing touch with who we are, not knowing our history, and engaging in moral degradation. Uh, and so the kind of things that they encourage Americans to consume, they don't allow their people to consume. <laughs> and right. we should always be asking ourselves, why is that? What do they see that we don't? And, you know, when you are the Chinese Communist Party, you view the world in terms of power. Uh, and we need to get real to that threat as soon as possible. But again, I'm just a mere movie reviewer and movie critic. And I just really <laughs> would encourage all of your audience to begin this journey of just mild resistance against the CCP by just going to Netflix, if you still have a subscription, and watch Seven Years in Tibet. It's just a really warm, cozy, enjoyable movie with an unfortunately sad ending regarding the rise of China in Asia. Um, but it's worth watching. And I think it will send you down a little bit of a, a rabbit hole of other stories that China has tried to bury in the West. Absolutely. Stephen Kent, media director for the Consumer Choice Center, editor of Geeky Stoics. Thanks for hopping on for what you're watching. Uh, have a safe travel down to Nashville. We'll see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. You are listening to the Tony Kinnecast on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is the Tony Kinnecast on 93 WIBC. I love it so much when someone that you don't like, something that you don't like, in some way, shape, or form, they don't learn their lesson and they keep falling on their face again and again and again. It's funny. It's comedy, right? I mean, think about all of the shows that you know where there's the character that you just root against. And every time that character slips and messes up and goofs around, it just makes your day. There's that, there's that little bit of a vindictive spirit in all of us. Maybe it's not the most perfect thing. It's not the greatest value to emulate, but man, if it ain't funny. Good evening. I'm Tony Kinnett. Uh, this is the Tony Kinnett cast. And of course, I'm laughing at Target, or as the cultured pronounce it, Target. 
because Target really wasn't satisfied with losing $14 billion this year. Uh, they, of course, lost $14 billion because they thought, you know what our store is missing? Um, trans merchandise targeted at little children. Uh, so Target put up a bunch of swimsuits um, that would uh, encourage uh, little boys to tuck their penises in and pretend that they're girls. Uh, you know, horrors beyond human comprehension and other really disgusting things. And then just a bunch of like weird pride-themed merchandise, again, targeted at kids. Look, if you're an adult and you want to participate in pride or whatever kind of other weird stuff you want to do in your adult time alone, cool, whatever. That is all you yippee. But when it comes to kids, it's really gross. And so people reacted, you know, the way that people usually do when they see someone doing something kind of gross to kids, and they boycotted Target. And just like Anheuser-Busch before them, Target bit the curb hard. And uh, in fact, it was the first time in six years, six years that Target sales had dropped. Uh, Some of their partnerships started to be threatened, and uh, Target kind of started to pull back on some of the pride displays. And then, of course, the second that, you know, Target realized, hey, you know, we're losing billions of dollars. Maybe we shouldn't do this. Then the trans community got upset at them. And it's like, you guys are just a bunch of traitor, horrible people. Because, again, the trans community expects you to do every single thing that they say goes lockstep, goose stepping the way you should. Uh, so now it's Christmas time and Black Friday approaches. And uh, when it comes to the United States and Christmas, well, it's time to rev up the buying a bunch of useless junk at all of your favorite department stores and on-time online retailers. And uh, Target's in an interesting position because Walmart has ramped up its online sales and delivery. Amazon is a behemoth, the behemoth to be reckoned with in retail now. And so Target is trying very hard to compete because there's not really a reason to go to Target anymore. Just like Best Buy is finding out that basically their brick and mortar stores are in serious trouble. They're, they're just no holiday stores, uh, store sales at a lot of these brick and mortar stores, mortar stores anymore. Excuse me. It's quite a tongue twister because if the deals are already online, then why do I need to go, you know, watch old people get trampled trying to get a piece of plastic when I could order that online and some underpaid kid couldn't drive that to my door? Um, and probably mess up my lawn as he's driving across it. You know, it's, it's, it's just, you know, tastes change over time. Well, Target has uh, decided that it's time to go down the same road yet again. So as the Washington Examiner reported, and uh, not, not just any reporter, it happens to be Luke Gentile, who is a Hoosier, so that's how you know it's a good report, uh, noted that Target had been creating a bunch of LGBTQ Santa Clauses, because, you know, when you think of Santa, you think of his sexual orientation. Um, So gay Santas, you know, that you can buy at Target. Uh, Just of note, this doesn't have anything to do with the LGBTQ thing, but they're also selling um, black Santas in wheelchairs. Uh, So, you know, if you're really trying to get the most oppressed Santa that you can for your, you know, fireplace mantle, they're selling black Santas in wheelchairs. Um, And they they may or may not be gay. I don't know. He's not holding the flag. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But they do have a lot of Santas holding the latest version of the the Pride Progress flag in whatever latest shape uh, that abomination of a flag has come in. And they have the Nutcracker that is an LGBT Nutcracker. Uh, I don't think that they see the irony in the Nutcracker uh, being an LGBT uh, symbol, but there you go. And perhaps weirdest of all, they hired this person named Eric Thompson. So Eric Thompson has now identified... 
himself as the senior LGBTQIA plus segmentation strategist and pride lead because, you know, essential employees that you really need, you know, sure, you need HR, you know, maybe need someone over in payroll. Might be good to have someone, you know, keeping an eye on quality control. But what you really need is a segmentation strategist for a bunch of letters I'm not going to say again or a pride lead, you know, you know, it's not just pride month in June anymore, guys, it's all year round. And so he got up in front of everybody and uh, he said on an Instagram post that he was ready to bring glitter and hellfire to target. No Freudian slip there and said that he is going to uh, rip that old world to shreds uh, and, and then calls everyone darlings, which is always very creepy when a grown man calls you darling. Darling should be reserved for like, you know, old women in your family and ladies that are like serving you at the diner. Like that's and it has to be in the South. That's who Darling is reserved for. Um, and that really awesome string band on the Andy Griffith, the Darling family. Other than that, Darling is off limits. If you're a man and you call me Darling, it's gross. Don't call me Darling. But this weirdo gets up and starts talking about how he's bringing hellfire and glitter and they're going to tear the old world. You know, Christmas that we understand it and the culture that, you know, Western civilization built in regards to the, the true meaning of Christmas. Don't, let, don't make me bring Linus out here and read it to all of you. That's all verboten now. Uh, so it's time for Pride Christmas because it's like the half birthday of Pride Month. June, now we're in December, so obviously it's not gay enough. So let's, you know, ramp up the gay. And again, as Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas pointed out, it, it's really getting tiresome to see uh, companies insulting conservatives because later these are the same companies that go to Republicans in Congress and ask for help. And uh, it, it reminds me of a, a certain meme uh, from SpongeBob. Uh, and honestly, it's, it's this right here. How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? How many times? How many times do we have to sit here and do this exact same song and dance? People are going to boycott Target some more. Target's going to lose more money. And then the media is going to say, oh, conservatives pounce. What? They, they don't want a bunch of sex in their Christmas. How could this be? But then, you know, when you sing, baby, it's cold outside, all of a sudden, oh, oh, that's off limits. Oh, it's terrible. How could you insinuate that a guy might, you know, convince someone to stay and have a drink? Um, and they talk about hair brushing a lot in that song, which I've always found kind of weird, but it's still a good song. That's off limits. But, oh, man, if, hey, if you want to get out there and, and talk about, you know, what sexes you're attracted to, kids, that's the true meaning of Christmas. Society is literally going to hell. That's not a turn of phrase. Society is driving straight to hell at 75 miles an hour in a 55 as fast as it can. And every organization, Anheuser-Busch, uh, Target, Disney, Apple, these organizations that are finding out what a boycott means and are losing uh, billions of dollars. I, I can't even wrap my mind around it. Billions of dollars on this kind of nonsense deserve every single thing that they're getting. Because it's, honestly, I mean, it's opening up the market for groups that are selling things that aren't particular hot garbage. Uh, honestly, the, the group that I've, I've talked about them on the show before, Heckler & Koch, which is a German arms manufacturer, had a social media manager who was tweeting a lot of like really weird sexist lectures um, from the H&K account. Uh, it, it was just really weird, you know, talking about like how men should talk to women and and why there shouldn't be photos of women holding guns. And just, again, things that you're looking, going to H&K, you're looking for, like, pictures about guns, given that it's a gun producer. And there was some backlash. People were going to boycott H&K. And so H&K did something kind of cool. They fired her, and they replaced her with someone else. 
And this someone else said, you know, hey, look, we have policies. H&K is a gun manufacturer. We're not here for identity politics. And so we corrected the problem. And this amazing thing happened. H&K sales went up. And they are still going up to this very day. And I love it. And the reason that I love it is because this isn't difficult. You don't need a master's degree in marketing. You don't need some fancy business degree in order to know that, you know, maybe, just just maybe, you shouldn't upset the majority of those who are buying your product. Anheuser-Busch learned it. Uh, Target is taking multiple lessons. They are repeating the second grade of junior elementary business. We'll see if a Christmas... <laughs> I can't believe it. The entire holiday savings. Like, the the holidays are when you earn your money as a retailer. Like, they're throwing away the biggest time of the year in a holiday that the majority people of that country celebrate. And they're taking a large, just, bucket of trash and dumping it on it. And they are expecting the pigs to still come eat the slop. And and it's finally not going to work. I'm amazed. I'm just dumbstruck a little bit. But that's the world we're in now, so we'll have to watch that pretty closely. Up next, we're going to be talking about the most important thing about Thanksgiving, and that is what's on the table. You are listening to the Tony Kinnecast on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is the Tony Kennett Cast on 93 WIBC. Good evening. It's time that we talked about perhaps the most important of things around this time of year. Obviously, you should be spending time with your family. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I think that Thanksgiving is almost a better holiday, at least in my mind, than, than Christmas is. Um, but Thanksgiving is fantastic because it's really when we pull out the best meal of the year. Chris, I, I'm sorry, Charles Dickens, I, I know he was a great guy, um, but he got it wrong. That He said Christmas is the best meal of the year. No, I'm sorry, I'm just, ham is okay, but it does not compare to the combination of, of turkey or chicken, um, as long as it's dark meat, coupled with mashed potatoes and stuffing. My, my grandmother makes a stuffing that... Um, will be sorely missed when she uh, is finally gone from this world. That stuff is is good enough to substitute manna from heaven. And then it's really all about what covers the majority of the food. Carl, the producer, are you out there, my dude? I'm here. So I got to ask. Can you hear me? Are, yeah, I can hear you just fine. So do are, are you the kind of guy that pours gravy over everything on the plate? Well, not cranberry sauce. Let's, let's not be heathens. Um, but like over everything? Or are you just the kind of guy who puts gravy on the potatoes? No, I'm going to have the uh, traditional uh, everything. Turkey, mashed ah. potatoes. Well, see, you're not the only guy who thinks so. Uncle Phil from uh, Family uh, Matters, again, just, or, or no, from Fresh Prince. I'm sorry, I'm getting my sitcoms mixed up. Uh, he is also a fellow man who understands the goodness of gravy. Here's what he says. Well, maybe not. Maybe that's not what he says. Oh man, one of those days. The video's not going to play. Do you remember Carl the 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 when the Fresh Prince's uncle, uh, Uncle Phil, he was talking about how he needed to have his pillowy mounds of mashed potatoes, his small onions, his turkey, all of that delicious, amazing gravy, right? 
all of that good stuff my had goodness. to be covered in that sweet, delicious gravy. I'm going to date myself. I'm, I wasn't a fan of Fresh Prince only because I was too old and I was watching other things. <laughs> you weren't a fan of the Fresh no. Prince? What? No. I was, what's, what's wrong with you? I was doing what other things. What the heck things. is this? Got it. Chicken, sir. <laughs> oh, you probably don't recognize it without a thick coating of batter and gravy. <laughs> I can't do this. I can't give up my favorite foods, cold turkey. Oh, my God. Turkey. <laughs> With pillowy mounds of mashed potatoes. <laughs> Butter-drenched dressing. Tiny onions. Swimming in a sea of cream sauce. That is the most important part of Thanksgiving. People think you got to get the turkey right. Yeah, you don't want a dry turkey. I understand. But I think the gravy is important. So I'm going to tell you guys the secret to good gravy right here in the last few minutes of the show. Here's what you do. First of all, you got to take all of the, the, the kind of filler vegetables. You got to get some carrots. You got to get some onions. Throw a turnip or a parsnip in there. And then your celery. You're going to throw that in a pot and you're going to just like bring it up to a simmer for a good long while with some old chicken wings or kind of whatever like chicken bones you got lying around. If you don't have chicken bones lying around, start saving your chicken bones, man. Put those from the freezer into the pot. You're going to make stock. And you're like, why would I do that? Because you can set it and forget it for like six hours. When you come back, you're going to take that stock, that awesome, beautiful, fresh stock that you just made, and you're going to add cornstarch, and you're going to add MSG. Now, those of you out there who don't like MSG, you're wrong. It is not horrible, evil, cancerous, chemical, whatever garbage that has been proven false again and again. MSG brings out the meaty flavor of things. It is delightful. So you're going to thicken that stock with that deliciousness that comes from good cornmeal that's very finely ground. And you can either add a little bit of bacon fat. I'd be careful about adding bacon fat to it. I would hydrate it a little bit more with Irish salted butter. I recommend Kerrygold. And then you season to taste. By making your own stock, I'm going to be doing so this coming Thursday. It is the best gravy you've ever had. It's covering everything on the plate. Invest your time in a good Gravy, Carl, are you listening to me out there? Are you hearing the word of the Lord coming down I'm here? I'm hearing you. Because if it's not the right kind of gravy, you go for the canned stuff. You know, I again, the reason people like KFC is not because of the chicken. It's because of the gravy. It's because they had MSG and they actually take some of the fried stuff from the, the bottom of the bucket. And, and they add that to the gravy. You have to amp up your gravy game, people. We're in the Midwest and that means butter and it means gravy. I've really enjoyed spending this Tuesday evening with you. Thanks. We're going to do one more this week. This has been the Tony Kinnecast on 93 WIBC.